0: Oh, wow, that's that's love, Steve. How come none of them said Pastor Steve when they came back? That squeaky kind of got the attention there. Well, have a good time. That's been quite a day, hasn't it? It is. Um, it is good to be able to be here together to sing praises to God to uh, to be able to baptize Bob to be able to welcome Bob and Carolyn and Jess into our fellowship. Um, to be able to think together about the Word of the Lord, to be able to see kids go out to children's church. It's good, um, it's good to be able to be here together again after a long time of having multiple worship services when space would not have demanded it otherwise. It's good to be together. Now today, um, we're at a spot that, that I think is really interesting. Um, we're studying Hebrews 13, starting in verse 7. Um, This sermon series that we've been running through since the beginning of January was laid out back in November and December, and really the the main reason for setting it up was not that, hey, we might do baptisms in May, because this date of today was just discovered in the last few weeks. Um, It wasn't set up that, hey, we're going to probably have an elder selection process on May 30th. That wasn't in anyone's mind. That just kind of is happening next week. But I think there's some really interesting stuff in this passage that is going to speak to those things. The way that this was set up, quite honestly, was back in December, just knowing I'm going to be on a sabbatical in June, July, and August, and so what would be a good chunk of stuff to talk through out of the Bible from January through May, and Hebrews kind of slotted in, and here today we find ourselves, as we've been going through, you've noticed, week by week, chapter by chapter, we find ourselves in Hebrews 13, and I'm going to read verses 7 through through 18. Thank you. Uh, Scott, I think that's what you have in the, in the computer back there. But we're gonna, I'm going to read uh, all of these verses and then kind of go back and look through them. So starting in Hebrews 13, verse 7, "'Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace.' Not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. This is what's written in Hebrews 13. And next week we're going to talk about the very last bit of the book as the author of Hebrews kind of wraps it all up and and thinks about how to close his letter to these people. But here we find ourselves starting in verse seven. We, we come to this spot where it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Remembering leaders, that can get to be a dicey thing. Who are these leaders? Which leaders were they? Well, what we know is that these leaders have done something already. So these people have spoken the word of God to you, right? So that kind of puts it in context. These are not necessarily, these are not government leaders. These are, these are the people who have encouraged you in your faith. Remember those leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. And we know a little bit more about who they are because of how verse 7 continues. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. The indication seems to me that, that the outcome of their life is evident now. They've lived their life Many scholars believe that the leaders who are talked about here, even though they're not named, even though they're not specified more than this, these are the people who have gone before us. These are our forefathers and our foremothers in the faith. They're the ones who, they've lived their life. They've finished their race. We can see how their lives turned out. Remember them. Those people who led us. Many of us in this room can think of someone who is no longer here on this earth, but they had a big effect on who we are, on how we think. How we act, how we pray, how we go about doing church, whether we're in church at all. Can you think of someone, a leader, somebody who's no longer here? Can you think of someone where you can see the outcome of their way of life? Let's take a moment and let's not just read it, but let's practice what it does. Let's take a moment of silence and just remember your leaders, those who have spoken the word of God to you. Just remember them right now. Let's, let's just remember, church. Lord, thank you for these people who have spoken words of faith to us. Lord, thank you for these people who have been in our lives, who have not just spoken about it, but who have lived out their faith. Thank you for them, Lord. Thank you for the blessing that they've been to us. Thank you for putting them in our lives. Lord, we praise you for all that you've orchestrated through them for us. Thank you, God. Amen. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 8 of Hebrews 13 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If Jesus worked through them, if their faith was rewarded, and if, if their focus on Jesus Christ brought some certain things about in their life, do you know that that can happen for you? We know that every person lives in a slightly different context, in a different time, in a different place, but the promises of God are still the same for us that they were for them consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith because Jesus is the same for them. It's the same for us and it'll be the same forever. We serve a powerful God. It's interesting that this is followed by verse nine. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Oh, How many sermons could be preached on this in 2021? The context here seems to be religious in nature. The writer of Hebrews in the first 12 chapters of Hebrews is talking about how Jesus Christ is superior. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to all the people. He's superior to the heroes of the faith, the Moses and the, and the Noah and the Abraham. Jesus is superior to all that. And, and in fact, Jesus' life in Jesus is better than even all of, the old, all of the old ritualism of the Old Testament description practiced by the Jewish folks. The writer of Hebrews says, faith in Jesus Christ is superior even to that which was brought about by the law. And now he's saying, you're focused on Jesus Christ. From here on out, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. And then again, we see a little bit more specificity when it says that it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. Have any of you been approached by anyone in the last couple of weeks and said, here, if you will eat these ceremonial foods, you will become closer to Jesus. Any any of you have one of them? I'm not talking about like the Omaha Steaks guy coming to your house, or no, I haven't had any people talk to me about that either. That's obviously something that was happening then. Remember, this letter was written to Hebrews, people who had Hebrew background. There was a lot of ceremony that went with all that. Special foods that should be eaten on special festivals, celebrated on certain days. What the author of Hebrews is telling those people and what we can learn from is that, look, don't be carried back to those old things that you used to do, which are no longer of value. Instead, instead, focus on the word of God. Consider the outcome of the way of life of the faithful people before you and imitate them. Don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings because in the time of Hebrews, there were all kinds of strange teachings. It's a good piece of encouragement, isn't it? And then the writer of Hebrews reminds us of what has already been written. Again, that Jesus is superior to all the ceremonial and sacrificial practices of the past. That's what verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14 are all about. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. In other words, in Jesus Christ, there is now a better altar. And all the Old Testament priests who brought their gifts, that no longer is in effect. They They don't eat at this better altar of Jesus Christ. We have a better altar now verse 11 the high priest talking about the system of Judaism the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy places a sin offering but the bodies are burned outside the camp Jesus in the same way suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood in other words there was a there was an old Jewish way now there is a new Christian way they are related for sure and of course we know that Jesus was born as a Jewish man but he ushered in a new way of religion And so the writer here of Hebrews says, look, let us go, go to Jesus outside the camp bearing the disgrace he bore. Because so many of these Hebrew people, they would have been in a minority where they lived. They were surrounded by Jewish folks. They were surrounded by Roman folks. They were surrounded by people who had no time for any of this Christianity stuff. And the writer of Hebrews says, you are a minority. It's as if you're outside the camp. You're outside the mainstream. You're outside the city. He says, fine. Jesus was outside the city too. Let's rally around him. Let the city do what they're going to do. Any of you country folks say, amen, (laughs) right? We we can see what's happening here. Remember, this is written to a particular group of people, but we can learn from this today. This reminds us that whether you're in a place where Christianity is, is kind of most of the people you know, or if you're in a place where following Jesus is is so absurd that you're the only one, follow Jesus well. Consider the examples of the people who have gone on before you and live for Jesus Christ, not for all of the other stuff, Not not for the people who want you to eat a certain kind of thing, not for the people who want you to follow a certain kind of cultural belief that the city might be putting forward. No, let us go to Jesus outside the camp. We might be outside the main line. We might be unpopular. We might be a minority religiously speaking, but let us go to Jesus nonetheless. Even, as you see what it says in verse 13, even if we have to bear the disgrace that he bore. You remember Jesus was mocked and spat upon. He was beaten even before he was hung on the cross. Jesus took that all on his perfect self because he was called to do so by the love that he had for people and by the charge of his Father God. He bore that disgrace The writer of Hebrews says, you believers, you may have to as well. Do any of you think about that in your context today? With things being the way they've been for a while, I don't care how far you want to look back. Maybe just look back to yesterday. Maybe you think back 10 years, 50 years. Maybe some of you are thinking back 70 years to the way they were. Any of you, as you project forward, do you think about how things are going to be? Do you wonder about if there's going to be some kind of disgrace that you're going to have to suffer for Jesus Christ? Do you wonder what it's going to really be like when we live through the times, if they're coming as quickly as it seems, when we live through the times where Jesus says the love of most is going to grow cold, brother will betray brother against each other, and families will be spit apart all in the name of Jesus Christ. He says people are going to turn away, but a remnant will stay strong. Do you wonder what that's going to look like when it's not so easy to be the church? And these days before Jesus is coming back, things are getting worse and worse and worse, are they not? What kind of disgrace will we have to bear for Jesus Christ? It won't always be easy to come dressed up and still leave comfortable back to a nice, easy life, praising God. There will be people one day who are waiting for us. I don't want to get too negative about it, but let's be honest. That is the direction that our world is headed We have to be prepared for this, whether it's for us or whether we're simply one more generation of the kind of leaders who are going to have to live lives so that those who really go through persecution can be encouraged like we can be the way it said in verse 7, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Church, this is a charge that must be taken seriously. The writer of Hebrews here wrapping up this letter says, don't turn back to all that garbage you did before. Let us... Go to Jesus Christ bearing the disgrace he bore. Why? Verse 14, because we don't have an enduring city. It's not in the strength of the city and the powerful walls and all the structures and all the majesty. That is not where power is. It's not in just the most people agreeing on the biggest thing. That is not where life is at. No, we don't have an enduring city here. But we are looking for the city that is to come even if it's unpopular, even outside the city, let us come to Jesus. Verse 15, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. I'm not sure that I need to encourage you in that you're doing it well. Let us continually, day after day, week after week, praise God. And yes, that does mean music. We love to sing here. We love to do music so much so that some people said, I've had enough of that. Let's, I, I, I don't like this church. There's too much music. Well, that's a shame. I mean, honestly, what are we, there's other churches that do less. People can be blessed there. But let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. It may cost us something. It may be a sacrifice, but let us offer it. And not just with our singing, but with all of our words. Are we praising God in all that we do? This is the fruit of those lips that openly profess his name. Church, we get this, right? Let our words all the time, even if it's a sacrifice, let our words praise God. And don't forget, verse 16, don't forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Church, your generosity staggers me constantly. When I see the gifts that are given to missionaries and people who come here, just doing a mission out in the world, and and not just the money—the money's fantastic—but let's be frank, not everybody can give that. Even those who can't give money, the prayers and the attention, the encouragement, the people that speak to those missionaries and mission workers who are here—I see it, church, and I love it. Keep it up. You are doing what Hebrews thirteen tells you to do. Don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. For with such sacrifices, see, there's that word again, that sacrifice, it costs you something. But with that sacrifice, God is pleased. It's pretty basic, isn't it? It echoes Ephesians 2.10, which told us that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance to do. There is stuff that we can do, that God loves, and that will bless people, and that is good for the kingdom. And now I get to the verses that I don't know what to do with. How do I talk to you about this? I guess directly. Verse 17. Now this is talking about a different group of leaders. Okay. Verse 7 was talking about those leaders who who are largely dead and gone, those who are in the past. But this is different. This is present tense. The writer of Hebrews said this to these Hebrew believers, they needed to hear it apparently. God has saved it for us, we can still read it. We must need it too. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Nobody likes a grumpy elder. Almost exactly a year ago, on May 10th, I don't know if you remember May 10th last year. I don't know if you remember much of 2020 that you want to remember. But a year ago on May 10th, we were still, we were still not having live worship services. We were still recording worship services. I think our first services back together were in the very early part of June. That's the trend that many churches in our area followed. Some, some are just now opening up. Some... Never had any weeks closed at all. Do you remember those times? That was difficult stuff, figuring out what to do. Not just with church stuff, but what's happening with schools. Kids are at home and remote learning. And where is my work? And will I have work? And what's the economy like? And, and what about this virus? Is this for real? Some people say it is. Some people say it isn't. What about, we're, we have to wear what? We can't go wear uh, mask stuff and social distancing stuff and businesses close. And you remember, that was May last year. Do you remember in March and April how we kept thinking, well, another two weeks. Another two weeks. Well, maybe next month. This is going to open up in the summer. Certainly when we go back to school. <sighs> Almost exactly a year ago on May 10th, I preached a sermon on Romans 13. It was Mother's Day. But part of the, part of the Scripture that Paul wrote down to the church in Rome nearly 2,000 years ago, he said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. I, I want to be careful, but I think that was a pretty good sermon. I liked it. You can go to YouTube and search for Waterway Worship May 10th, and you'll still see it there. One of the things that I talked about then and that I have wrestled with since is that it is difficult to be subject to our governing authorities. It seems to me that the governing authorities we are under, and I'm gonna speak we as in just we Americans here in this part of the world. It seems to me that the governing authorities we are under are among the best in the world. But they are still people, and they often drive me crazy, regardless of which party, which person, which president, or which era. It is hard for me to be subject To most people. I think most of you would agree. One of the things that I love about living in this particular part of the world, here in Southern Chester County and Southern Lancaster County, is there are a lot of people who seem to think pretty independently. Don't get swept away by the latest fashions. I mean, sometimes we do, and and yes, we are still part of this world and it affects us, but I've always liked (laughs) and of course I grew up here, and so maybe I'm very biased, but I've always liked the way that people think about things and consider things and don't only get swept away the way that you know happens in other places. That's a real strength. But sometimes it can feel like a real hassle. Especially when we have to come to passages like Romans 13 that said that we're to be subject to governing authorities. Have any of you wrestled with that in the last year? How many of you have said something like, well, that's not my governor. I didn't vote for him. Is that caveat in Romans 13? You know, be subject to the ones that you voted for. Oh boy, I know. Church, I I know. There was a temptation today just to celebrate everything because we've got so much to celebrate but I can't ignore the fact that this is the passage that's been put, be put before us here in Hebrews 13. And so we cannot only celebrate today. We must consider our lives because they matter. They matter for now, and they matter for the future. They matter for what our kids are going to remember, their grandkids. And we're either going to encourage them or we're not. And I want to encourage the kids, and I want to encourage them in the right way and I don't want to follow the government. I don't. Even the people that I vote for, I think, are not as smart as me. I don't think I'm the only one in this room who's ever thought that, am I? And so a year ago, I wrestled with that, and we've been wrestling with that for a year, especially as it relates to COVID policy. The government in Pennsylvania says that there's a mandate that we wear masks. Really? Do we have to do that? A mandate that we stay far apart. Really? Do we have to do that? A mandate that there should only be this many people in a room. Really? Do we have to do that? I've been convicted that I have to do that. I haven't done it perfectly. Sometimes I forget. Sometimes I haven't wanted to. Sometimes I've simply made excuses. And I've looked for every loophole. I haven't been able to find one. Maybe you have. But frankly, I haven't heard a very good one yet. I know, that, that Romans 13, that's, not where that's a different 13 than what we're really on today. Let me get to a really hard one as we come back to Hebrews 13. This passage we're talking about today in Hebrews as it talks about as it talks about leaders so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. This is talking about elders and deacons in churches. That, those are some of the words that are used in the New Testament. I've heard a lot of people say over the years that Waterway is a congregationally led church, and that's true. We believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to and through any believer, and so we work hard to listen to each other as we navigate what it means to be the church in our time and in our place. But we also have particular people put in place to fulfill particular roles and responsibilities related to leadership. I guess I'm one of those. Our bylaws, which were approved in 2010, which were reaffirmed in 2020, they go into great detail about who does what. But here's what the introduction to our bylaws say, if you wanna know how we are legally constituted. It says that our congregational meeting, we have at least four of those every year, we call it a congregational business meeting. The congregational meeting has the basic responsibility to discern the will of God for the congregation. I'm not making this up. This is in our bylaws. It has been for at least 10 years. Congregational meeting has the basic responsibility to discern the will of God for the congregation. The elder board has the authority of a board of directors to more specifically oversee the work of the congregation. The pastor is called by the members to lead the work of the congregation and is accountable to the elder board. The leadership team may adopt a written description of the responsibilities of any group or individual consistent with these bylaws. This leadership team coordinates the work of various groups within the church. The previous bylaws before that from 1997 had some different language, but it said essentially the same thing. Those are some of the details about what our church constitution and bylaws have stated over the past 24 years as we were Media Mennonite Church and Waterway Church and as we've tried to live for God. And now we find ourselves back at Hebrews. In Hebrews 13, 17, it says that we're to have confidence in our leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. It gets a little bit more serious to me every year that I have to give an account for my leadership. I know that. I've been told that for 25 years. If you're going to be a pastor, there's a different degree of responsibility, a different degree of accountability, a different degree of visibility. And with God's strength, you've got to be prepared to live up to that. I heard that call humbly. I accepted that call. I continue to try to live out that call. You understand that. I'm not telling you anything new. I've been here a long time. In August, it'll be 18 years. My ministry is almost a grown-up. That seems weird to me. I had, I had never been anywhere 18 years before, not even in the house I grew up in. As one of the leaders that seem to be referenced in Hebrews 13:17, let me tell you that it, most of the time, it is a joy to serve and help lead this congregation. It is. And I don't have any plans to go anywhere else anytime soon. You may always tell me differently. (laughs) But as long as the opportunity is here, I'm going to keep showing up. I feel called here, and I love it here. And that's why I have to say what I'm getting ready to say to you now. It is not always a joy to serve this congregation. Sometimes it is a burden, and not just for me. I see it in the face of my brothers who serve as elders. Pastor Steve, and Ross, and Gerald, and Robert. I've seen it before, I've seen it for years, and with you other men and women who have, you've served on the elder board, or you've been the spouse of someone who served on the elder board, we've wrestled with so many things. And long before I was here, elder boards at Waterway Church, and well at Media Mennonite Church, were wrestling with things that were difficult. God has been faithful. But I will tell you that this last year has been exceedingly difficult. As a team, we spent more time in elder meetings than any year that I know of before. Not just talking, although we did a lot of that. Not just reviewing government policies, trying to figure out what they say, although we did a lot of that. And not just praying, we did a lot of that too but frankly, just wrestling together with how do we continue to lead this church as best we can. Some of that applies to COVID stuff. Some of that's just what are we doing with all these kids who need to hear about Jesus and we're handcuffed in so many different ways. What do we do with our community who sees this building go up and now it's shut down and we have, we have video opportunities and there's YouTube. How do we do that? What do we do with all these students who can't go back to Oxford in the fall, but their parents need to go to work. We've worked through these things. And church, you've been part of this too. This isn't just the elders. But it's been difficult for the pastors and for the elders and for our leadership team this year. You know, we've had a lot of conversations with you, with church members. Some of them on email, many of them on the phone or face-to-face. We've talked about masks and social distancing and Finally, those things seem to be letting up from the, from the government to which we are accountable. And we're able to modify our, our policies here and simply say to all of you, follow the government to which you are accountable. But We've had a lot of conversations with church members, talking about some of the specific policies that elders and leadership team put in place and had in place until about a week ago. I know a few of you really appreciated the policy few of you really did not appreciate the policy. And a surprising number of those conversations that I had eventually ended up something like this. And I'm not exaggerating. They say, Pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to decide what I do when I'm at Waterway. This is my church too. I get it. I get it. In your shoes, I may say the same thing. And there are many others who were not so bold or did not have the opportunity to have conversations like that with elders or pastors or leadership team. But your actions have said the same thing. This isn't a scold. I think this is a warning for me and for all of us. It's been hard this year to know how to talk together about COVID stuff. I don't, I mean, even now it's, it produces anxiety. There are people I avoid that conversation with because I know it's not going to go well. And I know that they're just not in a place to hear me and maybe I'm not in a place to hear them. It's been hard, you remember a year ago? I mean, we, we couldn't even really gather together very well. How do we talk about stuff when that's how we're used to doing it? And I'm gonna be honest with you, there have been a lot of months where, where me and the elders looked at each other and said, boy, it'd be, it'd be great to get everybody together and talk about this, but can we talk about this? I mean, can we talk about this COVID stuff and masks and distancing without, frankly, without just getting so mad at each other that we can't stand it anymore? I, I wonder if, if maybe as leaders, we succumb to that fear too often. And yet there were other times where opportunities were given for us to have conversations and we didn't. Nobody from the congregation really spoke up in congregational meetings either. That's my recollection of it. So we who are leaders need to do a better job of talking and listening with all of you when times are difficult and when emotions are really high. Again, there have been a lot of times in the last year when we haven't known how to do that. We may have failed. But I can tell you with certainty that all of us who make up this congregation, all of us, every one of us, including the guy in the pulpit, including the elders in those early morning wrestling matches, including the leadership team, including the people who did and who didn't like the policy, including the people who do and don't like the current administration or who do or didn't like the previous one. All of us who make up this congregation need to do a better job of living out what is instructed here in Hebrews 13 and submitting to our leaders. Because we are built, you and I, And we have been trained, most of us here, to do what we think is right in every moment. And sometimes what we think is right is not what God is telling us is right. And how do we discern that? We need to discern that by talking together and working together. And frankly, Hebrews tells us to have confidence in our leaders and submit to their authority. Why? Is it so that the leaders can get all puffed up? No, absolutely not. A leader gets puffed up, you cut them off and get rid of them. I mean, there's lots of speaking in, in the New Testament about, no, leaders should, mit, should lead humbly and carefully, meekly, and thinking of everyone else there, never for their own personal gain. And so you can see why I am, I am nervous about this sermon. And I say it with great fear and trembling. But things are going to get worse. We're at a spot right now where I'm excited. It looks like here as we get into the summer, some things are lightening up. Maybe maybe some mass won't be required at all. Maybe it'll be all discretion all over the place. That'd be fantastic. Vaccines, not vaccines, well who wants to talk about that? Let's have that conversation and see who gets mad. All of us will. Church, it's gonna get harder. It's going to get harder to be the church until the time that Jesus Christ comes back. Scripture promises us that. It is, it is, there are going to be glimpses where perhaps a, a governor or a commissioner or a president will be, will be more helpful towards Christians or less helpful. Those, those things are going to rise and fall. But the overall trajectory is that the love of most will grow cold and it's going to get so bad that Jesus Christ is going to have to come back. We're told about this in Scripture. I'll talk to you more about it in the fall. But we've had 14 months to practice living in difficult times. How'd we do? I mean, how did you do with submitting to the government? I don't know that any of us got straight A's. I didn't. And understand, you can, you can hear this in that sermon. It doesn't mean that we follow the government unquestioningly. It means that until the government tells us to sin, we do what they tell us to do because God has put them authority for a time such as this. So just because we like it doesn't mean we don't have to do it. We like we follow as long as we're not called to sin. We're going to have to talk about that as government policies get funkier and funkier. And churches are encouraged to have confidence in their leaders and submit to their authority, and that's hard because some of us who are leaders don't know how to hold that authority at certain times. Sometimes there are circumstances that come up and say, what in the world? They didn't tell me in seminary how to think about whether to have a mask station at the front door or not. How do we deal with that? And what's the wait, is this a recommendation or a requirement or a mandate? That takes like a, a doctoral degree in civics. And do any of you have one of those? This is hard. It's hard for leaders. It's hard for congregations. It's going to be hard for Christians. Now, God is faithful, and he's carrying us through. I know it because we're here today. And God will continue to be faithful, but life is going to be hard. In the short term and the long term, life is going to be hard. We're going to need to be better. Not just by ourselves. I mean, I'm not just talking about, like, we need to improve. We do. We do. But we need to do what Bob and Carolyn and Jessica talked about today, submitting to God and following him with everything that they are. When we do that, and when we submit to God a little bit better, God will show us how to submit to our government a little bit better and how to submit to leaders a little bit better, and we can do what Ephesians 5.21 calls us to do for all of us as brothers and sisters to submit with each other. That's gonna be the real challenge. That'll be the next sermon, not chronologically, but in this little diatribe that I'm sharing with you now. So much submission is called for, and yet for most of us, independence is what we're used to living with, and it's what we prefer. That's what we can afford to do. Thank you very much. So I guess I would end with the next verse in Hebrews. Pray for us. We're sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. But pray for us. Pray for Steve and I as pastors as we try to do a job that I don't know if we know how to do. (laughs) Pray for your elders, Gerald and Robert and Ross who are serving right now. And as Ross and Robert continue with two new men after next week, pray for your elders. They have sacrificed more than most of you know. They're not asking for anything back except that you love the Lord. Pray for the leadership team, for those men and women who help to make policies and run programs, organize people. Pray for your brothers and sisters in this church. We love each other, but sometimes we disagree really deeply about things, and that's hard, and a lot of us don't know how to deal with that, and we're going to need to be better. So, church. I'm going to tell you to do what I've been trying to tell you to do for 18 years. Read this Bible and pray about it and do it. The charge is the same for you as it is for me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your prayers. I know a lot of you tell me and Stephen the elders. you tell us that you're praying for us a lot. and I know you are. Thank you. I can feel it and it honors me. I love you and I love this church. And most of the time, it is a joy to serve here. But sometimes it is a burden. Praise God that none of us has to carry that burden alone, but that God helps us even in these times of heaviness. Are we doing a closing song today? We've got a closing song today. Congregation, let's, um, let's sing together, okay? Let's sing together before we go. Worship team, please come forward. Church, would you stand as we prepare to sing our closing song this morning?